mile 478 of the Pacific Crest Trail. A couple miles to the west is a trail angel home known as Casa de Luna. Over the last 16 years, thousands of PCT hikers have visited Casa de Luna, and few have ever been the same since. This is Ratatouille, and you're listening to Trailside Radio. I think it was somebody had mentioned wrote in their journal that you get to the softlies and it's run with corporate efficiency and and um, has every hiker amenity imaginable and then 24 miles later you get to the Andersons and it's more like hippie daycare I remember when we first started doing this our our neighbors and friends were like oh my god you're letting all these strangers in your house aren't you afraid they're gonna steal your stuff like, are you kidding me? They're not going to steal anything. Or leave, they leave their shit behind, if nothing else. And we had the pleasure of meeting Ratatouille, who does a new yes. hiking podcast called Trailside Radio. Is he our competition? Uh, he is not. Collaboration. That's right, just like yeah, the brewers. Come on, no, no. Just like the brewers. No, I think this is competition. So This, this, is, this is war. This is war. Welcome, one and all, to Trailside Radio, episode 11. The House of the Moon. Last week I brought you all along with me to Agua Dulce, California, where we sat down with Donna and Jeff Softley, who hosted thousands of hikers in their home over the last 18 years. This week we'll meet with another well-known trail angel, Mrs. Terry Anderson of Casa de Luna, which is located about one day's hike north of Agua Dulce. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to thank all of you for your continued support over the last few months. I'm excited to say that Trailside Radio is nearing the milestone of 100,000 total downloads, and in my wildest dreams I did not expect to get this much of a following and this much support this early on. I really appreciate all of the emails that I've received, and I also really appreciate the few financial contributions I've received which have helped defray my costs of producing this podcast and put some of that money back into my hiking budget, uh, which helps me out a lot and uh, really goes a long way on a through hike. In other Trailside Radio news, for those who aren't aware, I'm now in a full-fledged podcast war with another hiking podcast, The Trail Show. The Trail Show is a very entertaining hiking podcast that has gone on for the last three years, based out of Colorado. One of their four hosts, D'Lo, was the first to declare war in their three-year anniversary episode number 36. And things have since escalated, as evidenced in their latest episode number 37. Let me get you up to speed by playing you a couple quick clips from the trail show. And we had the pleasure of meeting Ratatouille, who does a new hiking podcast called Trailside Radio. Is he our competition? Uh, he is not. Collaboration. That's right, just like yeah, the brewers. No, no. Just like the brewers. No, I think this is competition. So This, this, is, this is war. This is war. His most recent episode, which is episode six, has the interview he did with uh, P.O.D. and I. You guys did an interview with him? With the, with the enemy? Yeah. I think I have some uh, hate mail here from Trailside Radio. Oh, is this in Babylon? It, it could border on Babylon. Can I read it? Okay, I'm actually going to well, turn off the music. Let me read wanna... the first tweet. 
he gave. Oh, okay, that, sure. Because it's kind of a two-parter. He did a quick tweet, then he did a follow-up. Thanks, Trail Show, for mentioning at Trailside Radio our new episode. Did I hear a declaration of war? What? Then he sent this letter. Dear Trail Show, I would like to thank you for mentioning my podcast, Trailside Radio, in your recent anniversary episode. I would also like to thank POD and Disco for your kind words about me. It was a pleasure to meet and interview the two of you at the PCT kickoff in my sixth episode. As Sir Max's declaration of war upon my podcast, I propose we settle this in a proper hiker trash fashion. The terms are simple. The four of you select one amongst you to face off with me in a side-by-side 24x24x24 challenge, but with a West Coast twist. Instead of attempting the traditional feat of drinking 24 beers while hiking 24 miles in 24 hours, we will both attempt to smoke 24 joints while hiking 24 miles in 24 hours. Not only will I let you choose the trail, but I'll let you choose the strain. Will it be an indica dominant or sativa dominant? It's your call. If we both reach the finish line successfully, the winner will be the one who shouts, Jorastafari! The fewest times. The loser has to actually read wild from cover to cover. (laughs) I've been enjoying listening to your back catalog while hiking the PCT. Happy third anniversary, and may there be many more years of the trail show to come. Daniel Ratatouli, Hepokoski, Trailside Radio, semi-retired from asking snarky interview questions. <laughs> well, I have one thing to say. And I, I admonish, you know, Mr. Trailside Radio. He he mixed us up. Yeah? Yeah, it yeah, was me. Thought, it was me who declared thought it was war. Max who was declared. And this has happened before. Expect- what happens to me, dude, when I'm out on the trail? They're like, dude, are you Mags? Are you P-Mags? Are you P-Mags? P-Mags.com. Wow. And People he's like, say no, that I'm the Bobby Walters. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should start saying, no, I'm Curtis Ware. <laughs> People say that to me. I, I'm sorry to hear that. I yeah, wouldn't want happened. to be mixed up with it. It's happening. I don't know why. Wow. Okay. So anyway. Ratatouille. War. So it's a declaration of war. I think deal. so. Yeah. No. Okay. I, uh, but you know, he just wants to settle this like a gentleman and have the 24 by 24 by 24. Well, I, I told him. I said, listen. If this goes down, Delo's our horse, man. Yep. He, he's the guy. Right, so here's the deal: he's we're gonna horse. eat. We're gonna eat one 10 milligram brownie bite every 24 hours. <laughs> oh my. Wait a minute. Every, we don't need any no, hiking. Every, every hour. Every hour for 24 hours. We don't need any food. We don't need any supplies. <laughs> We're just going to eat one 24, one, one 10 milligram brownie bite every, to, every hour for 24 hours. And we'll see who's standing. We'll, we'll need to get an, wow. a, a paramedic service it's to probably sponsor. Not, it's probably not going to be me. And <laughs> if you're not in Colorado or Washington State, uh, legal does not recognize. Or Alaska or Washington, D.C. That's right. That's right. Let's not forget, man. The the tide is turning here on uh, the green tide on medications in God's country. Okay, what else do we have? To my friends at the Trail Show, I love you guys, but this is war, and there shall be no mercy. To my listeners who are interested in checking out the Trail Show, if you haven't already, you can find them at thetrailshow.com or download their podcast through iTunes and Stitcher, and the usual other podcast apps. This is Walken, Hiking the PCT. You're listening to Trailside Radio. Wow! This is uh, Gold, and I like to hike PCT. I am listening to Trailside Radio. This is Chief from Massachusetts, and you're listening to Trailside Radio. Rock on! (laughs) So, last week's episode left us in Agua Dulce, I left Agua Dulce that evening a little bit after dark with nine other hikers, but not until after we 
got a little bit tipsy at a local Mexican restaurant and most of us hiked the couple miles out of town to the trailhead. A couple in our group caught a ride in a, the back of a pickup truck along with a fancy breeding rooster. And we all met up at the trailhead, rooster and all, for a little more pre-hike drinking. And uh, there may or may not have been uh, smoking of certain medicinal substances as well. When we finally got moving, it was nearly midnight. A few in our group didn't make it very far up the trail that night and camped just a little ways from the trailhead. But several of us pulled a good 10 miles that night and I took the lead uh, hiking uphill, playing my ukulele, and singing. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to sing and play the ukulele while hiking 10 miles uphill at night, drunk and stoned, but boys and girls, do not try this at home. This is for trained professionals only. At the same time, it was definitely one of the highlights of my hike so far. Hiking is itself usually all the reward that a hiker needs, but sometimes nothing takes the place of a little music, poetry, and art to spice up the experience. And on that note, I'd like to introduce a brand new segment on Trailside Radio. This segment is called Hiker Haikus, and it was inspired by a documentary called Mile, Mile and a Half which is about the JMT, the John Muir Trail, which largely overlaps the section of the Sierra Mountains that I will be hiking through soon on the PCT. Uh, the film documents a group of filmmakers and artists hiking the JMT and filming each other during their adventure. And at one point in the film, they challenge each other to write a haiku about the experience. And with their permission, I've decided to begin collecting haikus from PCT hikers that I meet on the trail. And so, here is the debut episode of Hiker Haikus. They don't always rhyme, but still we always have time for Hiker Haikus. This week's Hiker Haikus come to us from... Grinder, Blisters, and... Light Switch? The long and winding trail. A different home every night. Hope it never ends. If a heart shivers, does it not need to be held? Hearts do not shiver. With dirt under feet, we explore the wilderness and unearth ourselves. This being the debut of Hiker Haikus, I would like to include one more in spite of the fact that, well, frankly, it has too many syllables. Hello, this is Walken. This is my haiku. Dry sun, UV broiled skin. Take a nap and relax, you guys. We're in the forest soon. They don't always rhyme, but still we always have time for hiker haiku. The day after our epic, drunken hike 10 miles from Agua Dulce, we all descended back down, and some of us hiked, some of us hitched over to a small town called Green Valley, where Joe and Terry Anderson live, and for the last 16 years they've hosted hikers there, and their home has become known as Casa de Luna. In their large backyard they have a beautiful manzanita forest with lots of winding trails, where one can find a secluded place to pitch a tent. 
they provide a wide selection of Hawaiian shirts for guests to wear. Uh, they provide amenities such as laundry and showers and really a, a, an incredible amount of fun and memories that aren't likely to be made anywhere else. While I was staying there, a group of hikers and I made a couple of trips to a local disc golf course, had a great time getting warmed up on our own, and then that evening teaming up with a group of locals for a much rowdier game of disc golf. Every night at Casa de Luna there is taco salad served, and every morning there are pancakes made. Everything that a hiker needs for their body and soul is available there. Uh, while I was there I had the fortune to bump into Sand Dizzle, who you may remember from a couple episodes ago. She was a trail angel that I stayed with uh, near Cajon Pass. Um, unfortunately, since that previous interview, she and her family had about $600 stolen from them while two hikers were staying there. Um, since that time, some of that money was raised by the hiking community and money raised to buy a new tent for Sand Dizzle for her hiking this summer. Fortunately, by the time I saw Sand Dizzle, she was in good spirits. She's been spending a lot of her weekends uh, heading up north to Casa de Luna to assist the Andersons. By the time I got there, Joe Anderson had headed out to get some hiking time in himself in the mountains, leaving Terry to run the castle on her own. And uh, I know that Sand Dizzle's help, as well as the help of other hikers, uh, went a long way to alleviating the sheer amount of work that can be involved with hosting so many hikers every day and every night. Uh, when one takes the road back to the PCT from Casa de Luna, the following 12 miles of trail are currently closed. Uh, some hikers have done a road walk around that. Um, myself and many of the people I was staying at Casa de Luna with got rides from Terry and from Sand Dizzle up to the town of Lake Hughes near where the road reconnects with the PCT where the trail is open again. Uh, we got a ride up there to Lake Hughes where we stopped at the Rock Inn for lunch and a beer and it was there that I took some time to interview Terry and talk to her about her experiences in the last 16 years of hosting hikers. I am here at the Rock Inn in Lake Hughes, California with the uh, mischievous matron of the PCT, Terry Anderson. Hi, Terry. Hey. So I've been uh, caught in the vortex of Casa de Luna. For about how many days? <laughs> how many days? How many weeks is it now? I, I've lost all track of time. Day after day of, oh, no, I'm going to head out with these hikers, so that'll be tomorrow, and oh, it'll be the next day. Yep. I had to do the walk of shame, which is taking down your tent, walking back and setting it up daily. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get that far. I, no? You no, just I, left I, it set up? <laughs> I had a good sense of, I'm going to wait to take this down until it's really time to leave. Oh, one of the smart ones. <laughs> So let's see. You've been That's doing yeah. you've been doing this for how many years? This is our sixteenth season. Yeah. Sixteen long and wonderful years. And I, I was sad to miss Joe, who's out hiking. I'm glad that he's getting his hike on. Yes, yes, and he is too. <laughs> it sounds like he, he definitely deserves it. Yes, he had a little rough start, but I think it's all going to smooth out for him now, which is good. That's humbling for Joe. How has this year been for you, hosting hikers? Mm. Um, a lot like last year, busy, but fun. Mm -hmm. um, mellow crowd this year, so far. It's mm -hmm. almost over, but 
so far. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I personally don't think the book Wild has affected the numbers. I believe it's been growing. It was growing before the book and before the movie, and it has just continued to grow. So our numbers only went up a tiny bit, as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Other big trails are all going up at the same yes. increase every year. Yes, all the hype about the book and stuff making this out of control this year didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about what uh, makes your yeah, Trail Angel that. House special compared to the others. You have a, a certain reputation for, how, how shall I put it, fun and irreverence. And you that. know, I don't know what makes ours different because I really haven't been to the other ones. So... That's up to the hikers to, <laughs> to describe what makes ours different. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the things is when people show up, I try to go out and personally hug and welcome every person that walks into our, our home and then tell them to go get a t-shirt, a Hawaiian shirt on mm-hmm. and to shut the effing gates, <laughs> <laughs> not to let the dogs out. Keep the gremlins in the backyard. Yeah, show them where to camp. Then call them for dinner when it's time for dinner. And it's everybody's... One thing about our home is... If you think people, like, oh my God, where are the Andersons? They make us out to be such great people. But I think what it is more so is people are making memories at our house. And it doesn't always have to involve us, but just them getting, getting together and hanging out in the yard and making their own memories. I think that that's what makes our place special. You know, there's a lot of love, kindness, and fun, but it's simple. <laughs> so, is it fair to say the name Casa de Luna has a couple different meanings to it? How did the name come about? Uh, that is fair to say that. We, when we first started, we we, um, we wanted a name because, you know, there was Hiker, well, Hiker Town hadn't started yet. There was Hiker Heaven. There was all these other places, and so we thought, wow, it would be nice to have a name. And my husband started asking people how long they'd been on the trail. And their first response was, well, first of all, what day is it? And then they would start calculating. They'd go, oh, it's been exactly a month today. So we figured, oh, a moon, a lunar cycle. So Casa de Luna, House of the Moon, takes people a month to get there. And now there might be, at least these days, another reason to call it the House of the Moon. Oh, there might be. You might have to... uh, you would have to be there to understand that. <laughs> I thought that's why it was the house of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and interrupt there. Yeah, we're, where were we? We got we were a little, at, little, uh, little crowd came out, so we moved around the corner here. We were at House of the Moon. Um, how we got our name? So yeah, basically, it takes a hikers a month to get to our home. Mm-hmm. Any of the more outrageous stories that have happened at the house that come to mind? Well. I know when we first started doing this, um, we'd like to mess with hikers. One of the stories was, it was actually before we started hosting, um, there was, uh, Joe and I were driving down the road and next to the store in this little piece of shade sat a hiker. And um, so we pulled over and we started talking to him and he says, yeah, he says, well, we're on the PCT. And my husband and I looked at him and we're like, I don't know if this heat's getting to you or what, but you're sitting here alone. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no, my buddy, my buddy uh, Ken, he's down at the, or Jerry, my buddy Jerry, he's, he's about four or five miles back, sitting at, probably sitting at the stop sign trying to hitch a ride. 
It was really, really hot. And so we go, oh, okay, so your friend Jerry, what's his last name? He goes, uh, Springer, or Smith. And um, we go, okay, so how do you guys know each other? And he says, oh, we went to college together. Oh, what college did he go to? So we load up on all this information about this Jerry Smith guy. We said, all right, we'll be right back with your friend. He's like, oh, okay, cool. So we drive up and over the little mountain there, and, and we pull up, and here he is leaning against a rock at the stop sign, right where his friend thought he'd be, in the shade, just wilted. And we pull up, and we stop, and my husband looks over at him, and he's like, Jerry? <laughs> he's like, uh, his head comes up, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Smith? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and Joe looks at me, he's like, oh, my God, Terry. I can't believe it. It's Jerry Smith. That's the guy I've been telling you about for, like, 25 years, ever since college back in, in Penn State. Oh, my God. And the guy is kind of slowly getting up, and he's like, oh, my God, Jerry. What, it's been 20 years, 25 since college, and and this guy is just, he's hes out of his mind. You could see his head going back 25 years trying to remember who the heck this guy is that's in this car in the middle of nowhere in California, and he lives in Pennsylvania. And so the guy finally gets up, and he walks over to the car, and he's putting his hand out to shake Joe's hand. He's like, hey, uh, uh, he goes, oh, God. He goes, I feel so bad. He goes, I don't know who you are. And my husband's like, of course you don't. He goes, I ran into your buddy Mike at the store, and he, he told us, and he's like, oh, you know Mike? <laughs> he still didn't quite get it. And we're like, no, 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 we don't know you. We don't know you. Your buddy Mike told us you'd be sitting here. Come on, get in. Let's go. We're taking up Mike. And he's, then he kind of clicks. And, he, yeah, we, we messed with that poor guy. It was funny. It was a lot of fun. That's one of our messing with hiker stories. There's, there's many, 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 many a times when I sit up at the trailhead or be passing by and a hiker would come down and I'd pull over and go, oh, you want to ride? And they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, are you, uh, you going to the Andersons? And they're like, yeah, you know where that's at? I'm like, yeah, sure, get in. I'll give you a ride down there. So as we're driving down, I'd like to. Uh, mess with them of course and um i'm like wow uh, you know they're freaks right and they're like yeah like you know you might want to leave your your backpack at the front of the road by the road because if you have to leave quick or i hear they run around their yard naked and they do really weird stuff and get them all freaked out by the time they get to the house and then i pull up in the driveway and turn off the car and get out and they look at me like Oh, you're Mrs. Anderson. Yep. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Told you we were freaks. <laughs> and, of course, then they get there and find out that, of course, nudity would never, ever be tolerated at the Costco. Never. Uh, no, never. N- no sort of outrageous behavior at no. all. No. Zero tolerance policy. Yeah, no. There was not <laughs> even during those five years of oil wrestling. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, my clothes kind of fell off the first few years, and then, then we switched to chocolate syrup wrestling, and I found an outfit that actually stayed on. <laughs> but yeah, those the wrestling days are over. Mm-hmm. My body just can't take that anymore, and my husband, <laughs> he's like, I'm done with that. <laughs> now I may have seen some evidence that the, a little bit of wrestling still went on at kickoff. 
Oh, yeah, there was one night that I did drink at the kickoff. I just, I, there wasn't really so much wrestling as it was me taking Guino down and blowing through his nose. <laughs> giving, yeah. Giving Guino what he had coming. Yes, yes, he was annoying me. So, I got him back a little. Yeah. Donna shared a story about being wrestled to the ground by you. I don't remember if that was on record or off record. Oh, no, there's video of that. And I blew, blew through her nose, too. <laughs> Is that the usual victory dance? Mm -hmm. Blow through the person's nose. Yeah. Then there was one time, poor Mellow Yellow, I got one of the young kids that I kidnapped. Um, he came and stayed for a couple days, and he was ready to go. And he puts his pack in the back of the van, along with other people. We get up to the. Oh, he's off saying goodbye to everybody. So while he's saying goodbye, I took his pack and I stuck it over behind the recycling. And we get up to the trailhead, and everybody starts taking their packs out. And he goes to take his out, and he's like, who's the mother bleep that <laughs> took my pack out of the van? And as he turns around, I'm pointing at me, and he attacks me. And he just full-on attacks me, and we're down on the side of San Francisco, wrestling in the dirt. And I got on top of him and held him down and then just licked his face. <laughs> And uh, poor guy, he had to come back home with me. And then the next day he tried to leave, and I hit his shoes. And then uh, then he finally left. He got out to Hikertown two days later. And right as he got there, he walked in. I called his phone. And I'm like, hey, Mello, there's like four or five really cute girls that want you to come back. He's like, who? <laughs> so I tell him. And he's like, can you pick me up? <laughs> so I proceeded to go pick him up and get kidnapped him for a couple more days, which was a lot of fun. He, that was the last oil wrestling, or chocolate syrup wrestling, actually. But that was one of my kidnappings. How do your neighbors and people in town feel about all the hikers and the scene that happens? You know, my neighbors have been so, so, so supportive. I'm, I'm, we've got the best neighbors in the world, obviously, putting up with it for 16 years. And as um, it's made a, a great awareness of the, the trail that's right in their backyard. I mean, ha half the town didn't even know the PCT was there. And um, so, yeah, they, they end up picking hikers up and dropping them off. And, and there's been a few neighbors that have, they'll show up with some food and say, here, you know, give this to the hikers. And yeah, it's been really great. I saw someone drop off just a big supply of toilet paper. Oh, yeah. Randomly. Yep. Yeah, it's been amazing. So how did taco salad come about? Hmm. Why, why taco salad? How did you settle on that? <sighs> the taco salad, because we start, when we first started doing this, um, we had 40 people our first year, and we would barbecue chicken. It's pretty simple, cheap enough to feed everybody. But then we realized that we're vegetarians. So, the next year, we went to um, spaghetti. I made a meat sauce and a meatless sauce. But that was a pain in the butt, trying to make all the noodles and, yeah, just... And then it just clicked. I went, oh, my taco salad. They could put whatever they want on it. And if they're vegetarians, they don't have to put the meat on it. So it worked out perfect. A lot easier to deal with leftovers and keep them cycled through the yes. next day. Yes, yes. Spaghetti just isn't the same no. the next day. The sauce is better the next day, but not the noodles. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so about 14 years of taco salad. 
I hate taco salad. <laughs> oh God, I hate it, taco salad. I love it, but I hate it. I love it because it means it's it's hiker season, but yeah, I eat it like twice a year. I'm done, so done. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking about trail angeling or starting to do things along that line? Hmm. Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, some people. It well, you know, it all depends if they're if you're inviting people into your home. It only took me 16 years to realize that I could tell people, you know, that's not okay to do at my house, or, or you know, hey, quiet down, or whatever the case may be. But every place is different. You just have to set your rules and your limits, and and. I hope that people abide by them, you know. And at our house, there was n never any rules up until, you know, the last year or two. Then we had to kind of tell people, you know, quiet down at 10. And, and although I was the instigator in many of those years. <laughs> yeah, I used to get out and drink with the people and have, yeah, get get the hikers going. And it was crazy. Now I, I just don't drink anymore. And once a year, maybe. Things have, things have mellowed out a little things bit. Things have definitely mellowed out, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Any thoughts for hikers and how to be the best guests we can be and mm -hmm. show our appreciation to trail angels? Uh, no, just be courteous and shut the damn gate. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you don't hold the plate over the table. Yes, do not hold salad. that plate over that pots or pans or the, or the lettuce or anything because you will get spanked at my house. I've Absolutely. Seen, I've seen it happen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> There's my evil little laugh. That makes my day. I get That's my one get back at the hikers for the day. <laughs> Terry does not hold that yardstick for nothing. <laughs> that's right. It's not just for show. <laughs> nope. Thought about making shirts. I, I got spanked by Terry Anderson and liked it. <laughs> uh, you, do, you do have shirts for Casa de Luna, I know, because I saw Donna wearing one back. We did make some. We have in the past made some. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Tie-dyeing. A lot of work. May make some again at some point, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a wintertime thing. What is that strange noise? Sounds like change. Like uh, someone's emptying out a vending machine or something. I don't know. That's really weird. Oh, the Oasis. Oh. Yeah, our poor oasis got torn away this year. Oh, that's right. We got one complaint after 15 years of the oasis being there, which is our fun little water cache and um, sodas and flamingos and chairs and, yeah, just a little oasis for the hikers. One complaint, and it came down. So in the um, oasis register... Uh, it was actually Chucky e. V, or Funny Bones. He had written, there are two kinds of thru-hikers. Those who stay at the Andersons and those who wish they had. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, usually when I had put that in the book or, or tell people that, they kind of look at me and they go, okay, we're coming down. <laughs> yeah, that one caught people's attention. I remember saying to Donna, off record, outside the interview, you know, I'm almost a little nervous about going to the Andersons. I've heard all of these stories and all the the, the, the nudity and the, oh, the chocolate syrup 
wrestling and and I'm just I'm just little old ratatouille, little innocent ratatouille, and and I'm not sure if I'm gonna be out of my element there. And and she said, "Oh, come on now." She said, I promise you, far more conservative people, far more uptight people than you have gone there and had a really wonderful, wonderful time. Yes. And she stood up for you and talked about how you all had a very good sense of being able to judge what different people's comfort level and boundaries were, and that for as much as you like to push the envelope and push those boundaries, that you do have a good sense of. Yes. What, what's reasonable and what's too far. You know, that's one thing that I've been trying for the last couple of years because, you know, because everybody heard, oh, my God, there's oil rustling, there's this, there's that. Um, there's also some older people, more conservative people that have come to our home and had the best time also. You know, it's not always like that. It's only, you know, it's one or two nights out of the year. It's not, I mean, we've had families with kids that have come and, we make sure that people are being respectful around them, and and um, yeah, we're trying to knock that that reputation down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and people say they get the best night's sleep back there at the in the magical Manzanita Forest. Uh, that was part of what made it difficult to leave. Yeah, it's a yep. quite a daydream-inducing <laughs> atmosphere back there. Yeah, it is pretty neat back there. But fell into a little fairy slumber whenever I'd go <laughs> check on my hammock. People said, oh my god, I slept in later than I've ever slept in. Um, well, with the crows that were the, there the last, oh. at least this time of year. Or, Stupid crows. Yeah, they <laughs> me up bright and early every morning, that's for sure. Yeah, I think they're out there looking for like leftover pancakes or leftover taco salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, squawking at each other. I like all of the the painted rocks that you have. The hikers come and, and paint rocks, and you have those strewn about in strategic places. Yes, that was that started. Um, gosh, back in '03, I think it was. Somebody had mentioned, wrote in their journal that you get to the Softleys, and it's run with corporate efficiency and and um, has every hiker amenity imaginable. And then 24 miles later, you get to the Andersons, and it's more like hippie daycare. So we ran with the hippie daycare thing, and a friend of mine painted that, and then we thought, well, if you've got hippie daycare, you got to have arts and crafts. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, you should have them paint rocks. I'm like, oh, what a great idea. So my chumpy uh, came up with an awesome idea, and now we've got this wonderful art all over our yard. We need to figure out how to display it nicely. It also just shows the history of hikers who've come through, and mm-hmm. a lot of people paint their trail names and maybe the year that they were there. Yep, or a nice little message to us. Or now it's even grown to where it's kind of funny because people used to show up and then they'd go set up their camp, forget their headlamp, come back to the house, and then drink a few beers and eat dinner, and then they'd go back to find their camping spot and they'd get lost. They didn't have their headlamp. They didn't know which trail they were going on behind our house to get there so people have started putting little their painted rocks out along the way just to indicate you know oh i'm sleeping at bear claw or i'm sleeping on the high road or yeah so i think it's kind of fun going walking back there and seeing all the painted rocks they become landmarks to find your way to your bed yes like little camp spot names (laughs) i don't know there's just been so much so much love over the 16 years it's like how do you look back and try and pick you know what to talk about 
remember when we first started doing this, our our neighbors and friends were like, oh my God, you're letting all these strangers in your house? Aren't you afraid they're going to steal your stuff? Like, are you kidding me? They're not going to steal anything. They leave their shit behind, if nothing else. And then I got to the point where I figured, you know, they're not. you guys aren't strangers. You're just friends I hadn't met yet. So you get to our home, then you, you know, you're one of my friends, one of my kids for the rest of my life. And it's pretty neat just knowing that I've got this love that's known internationally. Matter of fact, this might kind of give away part of our little secret, but um, there were three, ki- three guys here this year from Israel. And one of the guys calls his mother on Mother's Day, and he says, oh, yeah, we're at the Andersons. She says, oh, you're at that hippie place? Don't they, they smoke a lot? And she shows her butt. <laughs> this is in Israel. The guy's mom knew about us already. It was like, wow, wow. That's pretty amazing, you know? Yeah. So, there was a joke there, but I, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I could tell a dirty joke. What's the difference between a... A possum and a female thru-hiker. I'm scared to guess. A possum you might possibly eat. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Some silly hiker guy told that to me, so I had to pass that along. (laughs) I think the first, uh, the day that I showed up, you were out uh, sharing lewd songs off your uh, your phone (laughs) to a couple of musicians who were there. Yes, that was the uh, the Asylum Street Spankers. They've got some funny, funny songs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this place is quickly living up to its reputation. Yes, that was your first day there? That was oh. my first day there. Okay. Yeah, I'd been there probably less than an hour. <laughs> these, are, these are songs that would not be allowed at Ziggy and the Bears. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I see some of my kids are getting a ride out. <laughs> there were, uh, one... One hiker who had just arrived a day or two later, you were walking by, and I forget what he was talking about. It was just a pretty ordinary trail conversation, and he caught himself dropping an F-bomb. And he was like, oh, gosh, no, I need to watch my language. Our, our host is walking by. I said, I think, pretty sure it's okay. <laughs> just as long as you're not yelling it for my neighbors to hear. There you, there you go. Yeah, there was one time when uh, this one young man came through, and Every other word was the F word. And he was there for like nine days. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. So I, I went and got a squirt bottle out. And every time <laughs> he said the F word, I squirted him with a squirt bottle. <laughs> and after about the second day, he quit saying the F word. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had to retrain him. Wonder how long, how far up the trail he made it before he <laughs> worked its way back into his vocabulary. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He remembers it to this day. It's pretty funny, you know. And one another thing is, um, we never know who we're gonna meet at what point of their life, what they're going through at that time. I know there's been a couple times where, a couple of incidents where people came through and were on a destructive path, and. We were able to sit and talk to him, and this one guy in particular, we were able to, there was an incident that happened at the house, and um, and it changed his life. He ended up getting clean and sober, went on to have a kid, and is just doing amazing with his life. So we never know what we may say or do that will affect somebody's life, or for the rest of their lives. 
So I always try to be mindful of that, you know, try to be nice, try to be positive um, and kind, basically. You stay in touch with a lot of hikers who've come and stayed there? I think I've got like over 2,000 Facebook friends. So yeah, <laughs> there's a couple of those lads walking by right now. <laughs> Hiker trash everywhere you look. Yes, yes there is. Yeah, um, just wondering, if, you know, this may or may not be our last year doing this. Um, you seem jealous that Donna beat you to retirement. <laughs> I was thinking about it before she <laughs> came up and said that. I'm like, oh, crap, now I can't quit this year. Um, that might, might be too much of a shock for everybody, for both of us to stop at once, but it's definitely been something in the back of our minds. I know this year was my husband's last year of flipping pancakes, so he said if I want to do it, it's all on me next year. So we will see. We will see. I may, you know, I don't want to set anything in stone yet, but I may just put up at the trailhead on certain days, you know, hey, come on down, or or sorry, we're not available. Who knows? I, I don't know yet. No. It's kind of scary saying, oh, no, we're not going to have hikers over ever again. No. That'll never happen. I don't think we could go a year without having any hikers at all. But to maybe limit it in some way. I know our biggest night, we had 82 people in one night several years ago. Wow. Yeah. Our average is like, right now, we average like 35 a night for quite a while. Then it goes up to like 55 a night for a week, week and a half. And then it starts dropping off. So it's a lot of people. How has having Hiker Heaven closed affected things for you, other than people showing up stinkier than they used to? Hmm. I really have not seen any difference as far as numbers or... Yeah, they just stink a little more. I definitely miss the softlies being part of this, but that's their choice, you know? And it, it will come to an end for us someday also. And as Donna said, one of the things that makes re retiring from full-time trail angeling easier for her is knowing that any time she wants to get her hiker fixed, all she's got to go do is go down to the store and yep. find some hikers. Someone, yep. Someone's going to be looking for a ride somewhere, or there's, yeah. there's always the opportunity to go out and, and, and do trail magic without having to be stay committed to it full-time. Yeah, yeah, that's... Dang... I, it's kind of funny because I have, um, there's a couple people in our town and they're like, this year they're like, oh, well, we thought about trail angeling and all of a sudden my feathers got ruffled. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? You're not taking my hikers. <laughs> you know, one time these people that live on San Fran, um, we had some hikers at the house and they were waiting for their two friends to show up. And they're like, they should have been here by now. And all of a sudden their friends call. They're like, hey, we're, um. We're at Shauna and Roll's house, and we're, like, hanging out. And and so they hang up, and they're like, the friends tell me, they're like, hey, my our friends, they're over over by the, on San Francisco somewhere at Shauna and Roll's. I said, oh, really? <laughs> so I said, I said, look, I said, I want all you guys to throw on a, a Hawaiian shirt, march over to Shauna and Roll's, 
And you tell Sean and Raul, if they're taking two of you, they're taking all of you. <laughs> and so they did. They marched over there. Terry Anderson said that you got to take all of us if you're taking two of us. They laughed. And then I went over there about a half an hour later, and we ended up having this big barbecue at their house and swimming and fire pit. and Oh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. But, yeah, the thought of somebody else taking over the hikers in my town. Oh, ouch. Yeah. I don't know how I, I don't know how I'd react. At least not until you decide you're ready to give them up. Yeah, yeah. Once I say I'm done, then then they're fair game. <laughs> well, and then it'd be that much easier for you to go get your hiker fix anytime you feel the need. If it, True. Hikers are still coming, making that hitch over to town. True. Yeah, but I don't think these people know exactly what they're getting into either. No. Does anybody until they really do it? No. Is that sort of mm. sort of like through hiking itself? You can read as much as you want. You can yeah. talk to as many people that have done it as you want, but you just won't be able to get the full scope of it till you're till you're in it. Yeah, I see this the new lady, um, Trail Angel Mary, over in in by the KOA, and she's just excited and running around and running herself ragged. That you know they don't come to her house, so that's a little different. But um, I'm just wondering how long it'll be before she starts to feel the burnout. And I know she's already put a limit or two on one or two things. So, yeah, it's it's tough. You get so excited at first meeting all these people. And then, yeah, after two months into it, you're like, oh, God, I need a break. I got to rest. Are you? Yeah. All right. A little bit, thank you. Don't lock the keys in the car. I will not. <laughs> That's right. Hey. Thank you very much for everything. Where are you going? Trail. We're going to Canada. What up, bird? You guys all heading out? Yeah, yeah. we're heading out. Are you walking from here or you got a ride? Yeah, or? I got a ride. I was just going to take them out and come back here. You don't even know where it's at? Oh, that's what I was going to ask ah. you. Know. <laughs> are you guys hitting the trail right away or are you going to chill out till it cools off a little more? Because I want to give you time to do the interview. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I think we're about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to try to Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you guys up the way one way or another. Okay, How so many I'll more are left up. inside? Not too many. I think we got two over here, then these guys, and two more. So five? Five more. Five, six. I can get six in the van. It's 4.5. Yeah. Are you going yeah. To yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're about we're, we're wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. totally. Yeah. yeah. Four point five four. It's the second. It's the second no passing zone sign. Okay. Second no passing zone. Oh, then I'm All right. I think it's a wreck. Cool. Thank you so much for mm. taking the time to talk my to my pleasure. listeners. Wish both you and Joe the best of luck. Thank you, darling. Even if at some point in the future you retire <laughs> from the full-time trail angeling, I hope that I'll get to see you again and meet, oh. meet Joe face-to-face, be it at kickoff some year yeah. or, or talk my way into coming and visiting. Yeah, absolutely. Abs- we're not gone. Even if we quit taking hikers at the house, we're never gone. We're kind of like, what about Bob? <laughs> Can't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
This is Terry Anderson from Casa de Luna, and you are listening to Trailside Radio. Love ya. Big hugs. And before I bring this episode to a close, I would like to bring back uh, another reoccurring segment that has appeared on this podcast before. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Trail Food. The thing about food is it's all good, but there's no food as good as trail food. Trail food. For this trail food segment, I want to go back several hundred miles of trail to a place called Barrel Springs which you may remember from episode 8, was the place where many of us hikers were kept awake by very loud cricket frogs. Now the next morning, I woke in my hammock to breakfast in bed, uh, which still, hundreds of miles later, is one of the best meals I've had on the trail. Another hiker named Epic was making breakfast burritos for many people, and I offered him some dried black beans that I had in my food kit, which I had cooked at home and dehydrated in my dehydrator. And he cooked those up with a little bit of boiling water and fried up some summer sausage that he'd been carrying and cooked some dehydrated eggs, which I had never had before. I was pleasantly surprised to find that they made a decent substitute for scrambled eggs. Perhaps it was my hiker hunger, but I really felt that they came surprisingly close to the real thing. Uh, There was cheese, there was salsa, the aforementioned black beans, all wrapped up in a tortilla, piping hot, and handed back to me without me even having to leave my hammock. For this trail luxury, I say thank you to Epic and to the other hikers that were there at Barrel Springs. There is no food as good as trail food. The thing about food is it's all good, but there's no food as good as trail food. Trail! As another episode of Trailside Radio comes to a close, thank yous are due to Terry Anderson for the interview, to Sandizzle for the ride and the friendship, to Jeremy and the other locals in Green Valley for the wonderful game of disc golf, to Epic for the burritos, Critter for the ukulele, and each and every one of you listening to this podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you have any questions, comments, feedback, you can email me at trailsideradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to buy me some ice cream or pizza along the trail, you can make a contribution by clicking on the PayPal link on the website, trailsideradio.com. You can also leave episode-specific comments there, as well as learn more about the food I'm cooking and the gear I'm carrying on trail. Next week, I'll fill you in on a little more of the day-to-day details of my hike, as well as the misadventures that befall me as I trek through the Mojave Desert. Until next week, this is Trailside Radio. Over and out. Joe Rastafari!